Hello, everyone. Welcome to our latest interview of The Champions, a Stanford Pride interview series that we launched this year. The focus of our interview series is to highlight Stanford alumni who are championing diversity and inclusion as members of the LGBT community. My name is Chris O'Grady. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm a member of the Monacan Indian Nation, and I'm from the Stanford class of 2012. Today, our guest is Evan Boyle. His pronouns are he, him, his, and he is an MS in medicine and a PhD in genetics from Stanford, both completed in 2019. Welcome, Evan. It's my pleasure to be here, Chris. For our live audience, please use the chat feature to send in questions during the interview and stay on mute. There'll be a time for audience Q&A at the end. So let's get started. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, Evan. Where did you grow up and how did you end up at Stanford? Well, I'm originally from Western Washington in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. I did my bachelor's in microbiology and biochemistry at the University of Washington. After graduating, I worked as a research scientist at the University of Washington. I studied DNA sequencing technologies that can be used to promote human health. After working for a year in, that, uh, in my undergrad lab, I went on to study at Stanford where I completed research uh, in the Department of Genetics and also got my master's of medicine in the medical school. Now I'm a postdoc at UC San Diego and I work with Professor Genio doing work on RNA biology. Great, let's talk about your identity. Were you out at Stanford and did you find Stanford to be an inclusive environment? University has recognized that it still has a lot to, of work to do in this area. Yeah, you know, this topic is just really important and really interesting. Uh, for me personally, I've been out since uh, when I graduated from high school. I felt like going to Stanford was a great opportunity to connect with other out scientists. I had a couple of mentors who were queer and I really appreciated getting to know them while I was working on my PhD. That said, I, I think there was widespread recognition that we wanted more visibility and more programming for LGBTQ people at Stanford. They had a queer perspective seminar series, a, a symposium, uh, some other events that focused on LGBTQ speakers. So I, I do think that my time at Stanford, it was a positive uh, environment and, and culture for queer scientists. And as a postdoc, I'm able to pre appreciate those good things, even if I, I do think that, you know, there's there's continued work in this area uh, on how we might improve it further. Yeah, it's great that you were able to find those little moments of glittering hope and positivity. And it seems like some of that work has translated to what you're doing now. Can you tell us about Dazzle, which is D-A-S-L? What is Dazzle? Yeah, I'm really excited to tell you about <laughs> this diversity initiative. Dazzle is the diversity and science lecture series. It's a trainee run initiative that I uh, help run with other San Diego life scientists. Uh, it started in March of 2020, as everyone was getting familiar with remote instruction. My advisor, Genio, was interested in doing something to advance equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to really do something in response to uh, graduate student concerns about academia. So there's a lot of upheaval at the, at the time. He thought it was really important that we unite all life scientists at UCSD uh, and, you know, even 
researchers elsewhere in San Diego. So around that time in April, I started as the vice chair for equity, diversity, and inclusion in the UCSD postdoc association. And after talking with my advisor, Jean, we realized that a seminar series featuring women, minorities, and other disadvantaged groups would be really the best way to increase visibility of all these diverse people working in San Diego that were asking for more inclusion on campus. So we organized a preliminary schedule, two other students got involved. We started hosting weekly seminars really quickly in June of 2020. We had speakers that were really passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion in science. Uh, and we had you know, really great attendance uh, throughout the year. We had 50 attendees or so on average, graduate students, professors, postdocs. Uh, now we're in our second year. We're finishing our spring series uh, this, uh, in June. And uh, we've, we're, we're now at monthly seminars rather than weekly seminars. We've been doing a lot of Zoom these days, you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, we recently announced a $480,000 grant from the Chan Zuckerberg Initiatives to support our programming and expand our efforts. Um, and this whole process of going from starting a new initiative to getting this amazing funding and working uh, at other institutions happened just really fast. So. Um, I think, you know, the Zoom format in particular, having these virtual seminar series is somewhat magical because it lets people really be themselves. It's kind of like a small group intimate setting. And so I think there are really some lessons to learn from these virtual meetings to make uh, programming more inclusive. Um, <clears throat> when you're presenting live, there's a level of stress and anxiety. You don't know what to expect. You can see everyone watching you and it can be overwhelming. So if the uh, presentation experience could be somehow streamlined and made to resemble these smaller group settings, it's, it's like you can just put your toe in the water uh, at first. And it's, it's not as intense as uh, suddenly being put in front of a larger group of people in person. Yeah, it seems like you've made a lot of progress in a short amount of time. Can you tell us about what an actual seminar includes or maybe an example of one of the seminars you've put on? Absolutely. The process starts with nominations. We need speakers. Uh, we solicit nominations from anyone uh, in San Diego and beyond. Uh, once we have our nominations, we reach out to the candidate speakers. We, we meet with them and uh, we'll even schedule practice sessions uh, for each seminar. When we schedule them, we uh, select two presenters per, uh, per date for a 15 to 20 minute talk each. They get to present on their research and anything they want to discuss about diversity and inclusion in STEM. And you know, it, it varies. Some are very interested in using the platform to share their research and spread awareness of their publications, what they've accomplished, and that they're the truly equal member uh, of the San Diego research community. Others wanna talk about social sciences. They wanna talk about creating inclusive workspaces, advocacy uh, in academia. So ultimately the format is flexible. Uh, what really makes them all um, part of Dazzle is that they include both discussion on diversity in STEM and uh, really cutting edge research. Yeah. In many companies, including life science companies, employee resource groups are a popular way to create inclusive spaces for people of color, women, and the LGBTQ plus community. Yet you still see in the majority of these organizations and companies being led by cisgender straight white men. That's who you see in the positions of leadership. 
Yes, there's so much discussion about who has influence in these uh, areas. And, you know, the answer is mostly white men. <laughs> and this is really important. Editors are the ones who make decisions on publications, uh, and their background is going to inform those decisions. Peer reviewers decide what uh, gets uh, credit in the field and what gets ultimately uh, lauded in journals. And the diversity of peer reviewers is also contentious. So I think there's been a big movement to track the race, gender, ethnicity of these uh, influential people and to make sure there's some sort of representation and accountability. I hear a lot from junior life scientists that they appreciate role models, specifically that they want people who look like them and uh, can relate to having shared experiences. Someone who is biracial or someone who's from a rural background I've noticed in Dazzle that they tend to have a specific relationship with science and having a sense of community in the workplace and uh, in academia. So it's been really valuable for me to hear their experience. I hope that by having these seminars, people can feel seen and included, and they can know that there are others out there with similar backgrounds and have faced the same uh, experiences. Yeah, representation is so important. You mentioned that within each seminar, you'll have two presenters and they'll present their recommendations for equity and inclusion. Are you calling those recommendations to make an impact outside of the seminars? I know you mentioned that the, there's funding. Are you use, using those funds to make a bigger impact? Yeah, that's right. You know, there's so many recommendations in these talks and I you know, I really hope that everyone can benefit from all of them, but there's only so many hours in the day. So the Dazzle organizers actually go through all the seminars and they pull out the organizations, funding opportunities, mentoring opportunities, and uh, we share them on our website in a concise spreadsheet. That way anyone can go and get a summary of the recommendations that our speakers uh, are making in their talks. Uh, we're putting together our findings and uh, in a manuscript, and we hope to do more of that kind of thing, more surveys and getting more feedback from people. And I think the funding will be really helpful with that. We've reached out to other universities in the US, Vanderbilt, University of Utah, UCLA, Massachusetts General Hospital at Boston and Emory. Uh, I think the funding is really gonna help us expand and do more. It's very difficult to organize remotely sometimes with people I haven't met in person, um, but I think I'm, I'm still really hopeful and honestly, the seminar series has evolved too. Uh, when we were trying to put together our first seminar and build awareness, we were focused on how to pick speakers, where to find them, how do we even do the basic mechanics of a seminar. And that's different from now. We have a community now, we have a lot of knowledge and all the seminars that we've run, so we can analyze them and make more holistic recommendations uh, from the talks that we've already hosted. Great to know that you're compiling those so that others can take them and learn from there. Let's switch gears a little bit. You were also during this time involved in the founding of the Queer Science Society. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I'm really uh, proud to work on this second organization. When I came to San Diego, I wanted to make an effort to network with queer and allied postdocs at UCSD. And I was disappointed to find that there wasn't really a place or organization dedicated to that. Mm -hmm. UCSD has an LGBT resource center, but the events are funded by student fees. So postdocs are not really eligible to attend those events. And there wasn't any other 
programming in place for postdocs and other research scientists. That seemed like a big gap. And I decided that I really needed to do something about it myself. As it turns out, I tried to plan the first event in March of 2020. That did not happen. Uh, so I ended up reviving the idea in the fall of 2020. I had started organizing Dazzle. Uh, that was very exciting and, and really occupied most of my summer um, <clears throat> and, and you know, kept going through the year. By, by January 2021, I was able to find the time to really get stuff up and running um, and finalize the Queer Science Society. It really ended up working out because of my co-organizer, Luca Caputo at Sanford Burnham Prebis. Um, I met him through Dazzle actually. And uh, I found that, you know, there are others who are frustrated at the lack of networking community for queer scientists in San Diego. So Luca and I worked together on this group. And uh, now we have ongoing monthly meetings and I've gotten to meet a lot of uh, LGBTQ people in STEM. And, you know, that's just been really meaningful for me. Yeah. So Evan, you got your MS and PhD from Stanford in 2019 which was not that long ago. A lot of times it seems that students who graduate from schools like Stanford are really, really ambitious and wanna get things done and they don't see anyone else doing it. And so they just start doing it themselves. You saw those needs in the science community and began to organize. Is it hard to find other folks who are similarly minded? Right, you know, it just comes down to leadership. I can speak for myself, just to give a little more detail. I had a lot of practice building those skills. I think it started in high school. I started a chemistry club. I started a philosophy club. I was involved in the math club. I was actually president uh, in my senior year of high school. In college, I continued searching for opportunities and organizing uh, and getting to know people. I feel like that actually contributed to me getting into research where there's a lot of passionate scientists trying to solve problems. Um, and during my PhD, I spent uh, some additional time learning about social science methods, understanding more about equity, diversity, and inclusion, particularly in, in STEM fields. And uh, I also organized some sessions on data visualization and other social activities that had this sort of team building and leadership aspect. Um, <clears throat> I think that I had um, as type of resolve or just intrinsic motivation to lead efforts like this when I moved to San Diego. So I think I've come to realize that it's an important part of who I am and maybe it sets me apart a little bit. I'm just motivated to tackle these challenges and make progress on them. And it isn't easy, I have to say. Uh, it's hard to reach out to people to motivate them and there's a lot of subtlety involved in getting people interested in attending event and, and feeling really included. So uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's a special blend of skills that you need to have. Yeah, leadership and in, intentionally in community takes a lot of time and effort. I just have one last question for you uh, before we turn into the audience questions. Evan, what is your advice to people, especially young people who are organizing their communities around the issues that they care about? Right, I mean, this is the question. This is the important stuff. I work with a lot of trainees at Dazzle who are helping to organize. 
And I see them get discouraged. I know that they're reaching out to make contacts, they're requesting volunteers, speakers, funding. And you know, sometimes people don't respond, people are busy. And it's easy to get frustrated by lack of progress, by lack of engagement. My advice though, is to focus on the feedback you're getting. Don't get upset or, or fixated on it. Try to stay neutral and logical. If you send an email and the person doesn't respond, adapt. You know, try sending shorter, sharper emails. Uh, you know, if you aren't getting a response from one person, email more people, email people in batches, send more reminder emails. It can be really difficult and, you know, feel almost devaluing if you don't get an answer. But, you know, just ask again. <laughs> one setback shouldn't discourage you from making a difference. And if it was easy to make a difference, then, you know, it, it wouldn't have quite a uh, quite the same impact. Um, so yeah, that, that's my advice to young people today. Thank you so much, Evan. Now let's open it up to questions from the audience. I do see one question that came in through the chat from Jero. I would love to hear about how UCSD compares to Stanford in terms of diversity in the LGBT scientific community. Yeah, yeah, that's a really, you know, that has been super fascinating to me, getting to know more people in the San Diego area. And it is very different. There's just, there's a lot more um, Latino uh, STEM researchers, uh, people who've come from like very different and conservative areas. One thing that has stood out to me is, is uh, postdocs who just aren't even familiar or know how to use these words that we use to describe sexual orientation and gender identity in the United States. Um, so there's, there's a lot of people who are coming out later in their life and their career um, that have a lot of questions that don't really know what their community is. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's really important here. And, you know, I take that seriously running this queer postdoc group trying to address uh, their needs. We have another question in the chat from Tom. Where do you see your organization in three years, five years, and what will be different? <laughs> wow, you know, that's a really good question. Uh, I think, you know, for the Queer Science Society, uh, Luca is, is trying to uh, network and reach out to other people who, who might take a lead in organizing programming and uh, making sure that the organization continues. You know, we, we have to sort of plan in advance and um, have someone take over. Something that I have been mindful of and after talking to a lot of people in this diversity in science area is that um, most successful efforts really come down to one or two people uh, organizing and, and making sure that events are happening, that you know, there is a plan that websites are updated. Uh, I haven't met a lot of successful, successful initiatives where there's sort of like a large team with like very diffuse responsibilities because that, that's just complicated and it's hard to make sure that everyone knows, you know, all the tasks that they're responsible for. So I guess I think that um, in three to five years, we're, we're, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to 
recruit some new people who will be the kind of main uh, figures. And, and hopefully I can do that before I <laughs> move on to my next position so I can make sure that it's intact. How many Dazzle seminars have been held since 2020? Ooh, you know what? I I don't know the exact number, but we've had dozens of them. Uh, you know, we had weekly sessions for all for an entire year. Um, so that was, I think, over 70 speakers. Um, and uh, you know, we've we've had more this year. So it's definitely been uh in, in the dozens. Um, and I've listened to I think every session <laughs> uh, and so it's it's definitely a lot and um you know I, but I, I having listened to a lot of them I think uh it is meaningful just just to hear a few um and and we're hoping that we can uh start to make them publicly available on our YouTube account so you know if you have the time maybe in the summer uh we'll start releasing some and and you know it'll be even easier to enjoy Dazzle Okay, so we will stay tuned and be on the lookout for that. Um, there's another question in the chat from Jero. One more question. You mentioned that UCSD didn't have any LGBTQ initiatives for grad students before you started organizing. Do you feel supported by the institution? And do you feel supported by the student community? Right, so there, there is a, an OSTEM group at UCSD and I don't think that they were <clears throat> um, running when I started my postdoc, uh, but they are, uh, you know, they're definitely active today. So there are some, there have been and are some grad student focused events. Um, but that said, uh, I, can, I can still answer your question. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, you know, Luca is at a different uh, research institution in San Diego and some of the other um, members of our, of our group um, are also not at UCSD <clears throat> or have since moved on from their postdoc and can still come to events. So we do feel um, fairly separate from UCSD as an institution. I will say that the Office of Postdoctoral Affairs um, did aggregate survey results from the annual postdoc survey um, to answer questions about how LGBT postdocs feel differently from non-LGBT postdocs. And like, they didn't have to do that. Um, they did it specifically because I asked, I mean, multiple times, <laughs> um, but they did it. They put a very nice report together and I, uh, it is shared on the Queer Science Society website. Um, so, you know, they're, we have been able to uh, work with them and I really appreciate um, that effort. Uh, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting like running this organization, especially in a pandemic, it feels like pretty, like kind of like separate, you know, Luke and I maybe chat a little bit before each meeting and then, and then do something. And there's not a lot of like feedback or encouragement um, from, you know, like, more senior people, uh, I would say. And, and I will I will also acknowledge the American Statistical Association, which gave us $1,000 to um, do programming as well. So check Twitter for funding opportunities. <laughs> you never know um, <clears throat> what you might find. You never know where the support is gonna come from for the community. 
Um, that's golden. We have another question in the chat from Solly. What have you done for advertising for Dazzle? Spreading the word, letting people know there is this great speaker series available. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, you know, sometimes we, we've talked a lot at Dazzle how maybe we need a Gen Z intern who can properly advertise Dazzle. It's, it's come up many times. I'm, I'm not great at it. <laughs> uh, we have a Dazzle Twitter. I run the Dazzle Twitter. Um, but I'm, I'm really bad at regularly tweeting and, and like being quick about it. Um, and we have our, our website. I think our website is very nice. Uh, so I'm, I'm proud of that. And, you know, we've expanded our email list to over 400 individuals. That's the main way we push out information. And I think that was a really critical step because before we had our own mailing list, um, we really had to rely on people voluntarily uh, forwarding messages to email lists that, of course, like I didn't have direct access or permission to post to. Um, so we, we accept people's subscribers to our email list. Everyone here is welcome to subscribe. Um, it's ucsddazzle.com. Um, but you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a continuing challenge. We, we talk about, um, how to increase the visibility and, you know, I guess we welcome any suggestions. <laughs> All right. So we are just about to end. I just want to say thank you to everyone for taking the time and, uh, to join us today for the Champions Stanford Pride interview series. Um, so thank you and have a wonderful Saturday. Thank you, Evan. Yeah, thanks, Chris.